Turn with me tonight in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Go to read verses 1 through to 9. Now, it's very interesting this week. Wednesday past, I was um, dealing with two situations, at least in my mind. Um, I received news that two of our people had been bitten. One was bitten by a dog and the other was bitten by a world fish. And, uh, of course, the thought of being bitten was in my mind. Um, providentially, I was uh, thinking of this particular uh, story in the Bible on the children of Israel were bitten by the fiery serpents. So, hence, turning to this passage tonight, I believe, is providential. Numbers 21, we're going to read the first nine verses. Let's hear the word of God. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormath. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against, Moses, against God and Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth the slight bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass when every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 9. And we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Numbers chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. And I've entitled this message... The brazen serpent and the blood of the Savior. Now in Numbers chapter 20, the children of Israel are encamped at Kadesh Barnea. It's the southern border of the promised land. 
They have been in the wilderness now for about 39 or 40 years. Remember, the wilderness was a great and terrible wilderness. And the children of Israel faced much hardship, difficulty. They had many afflictions. On this occasion, Moses sought permission from the king of Edom to pass through his territory. He promised, we'll not touch your crops. We'll not drink your water. All we want to do is pass through your territory. The king of Edom refused. He threatened military action if they attempted to do it. After the death of Aaron, the Canaanite king Arad, he was situated north of where the children of Israel were camped. He came and fought against Israel. They sought the Lord. They vowed to live for the Lord and serve him all their days if he helped them get victory over their enemies and capture their cities, which he did. The Lord gave the victory. This was the first victory in Canaan land. However, he tested them. Instead of going into the promised land from the south as to where they were located, the Lord directed Moses to turn around and lead the people by the Red Sea to bring them into the Gulf of Aquaba. This was a, a circular route around the land of Edom. At this time, the children of Israel began to murmur because of the journey. They were discouraged. They became impatient. They grumbled and complained against God and against Moses. They made false accusations against the leaders. They, they said, you have brought us into the wilderness to die here. We're fed up with this man. We, we lack proper food. We, we, we lack water. And Moses, it's your fault. Now they complained so much that the Lord sent fiery serpents among them to bite them. And this bite of the serpents was a, a poisonous bite. And many died. Listen to chapter 21, verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Now, I want you to think of the march of death in the camp. These fiery serpents, they may have been colorful, but when they bit you, that bite was a poisonous bite. It was a very painful, slow, agonizing death. Think of the bite of a rattlesnake and the slow, agonizing death if you have no um, antidote um, to, to administer. Thankfully, the people recognized their sin. They confessed it before God. They repented of it. And they asked for Moses to intercede for them before God. Now, when Moses prayed, and we read that there in verse 7, and Moses prayed for the people. Now, the Lord provided a most unusual remedy for their healing and salvation. And this was the Lord's remedy. And Moses made a servant of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You've got to think now, here's the unusual remedy, a brazen serpent on a pole. And the people's told, whosoever looks to this bronze snake in the pole, you're going to be healed. You're going to live. Hence the singing tonight, look and live. Now, now Why? Why not just command them to go away if he commanded them to come into the camp? 
Why not tell Moses, Moses, you stand at the middle of the camp or in the periphery of the camp, use your rod and say, I banish you out of our camp. He could have done that. He could have said, well, get the people to chase them away with their sticks or their, their brooms. Why this unusual remedy? Well, turn with me tonight to John chapter 3, and we read there in verses 13 and 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, here's the divine explanation for this most unusual remedy for their healing and salvation. This lifting up of the brazen serpent on a pole, it was an illustration of, it pointed to a, a vivid picture of Christ in the cross shedding his precious blood for all that would trust him and believe in him as Lord and Redeemer. Here was God's divine remedy from sin unto salvation. Now, as I thought of these ladies that reported the bites to me, I was thinking of this particular story. Three things came to mind, and I, I wrote them down on Wednesday evening. One, the necessity of this divine remedy. Now, I want you to think of the camp of Israel. They're round by the Red Sea, as I said, the Gulf of Aquaba, the desert area. And to this day, if you were there, you could see and hear snakes. I'm not saying they're fiery serpents, but they're certainly you could see and hear snakes in that locality. And we're told that these fiery serpents come into the camp because of their sin of murmuring, their sin of complaining, and their, and their sin of jealousy against Moses and against God. In other words, the Lord sent them. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. So you think of these fiery serpents, young people, coming into the camp, and they're biting the children of Israel. And as a result of that poisonous bite, many died. You've got to think of a camp of about 2 million people. 600,000 men, every man had a woman and at least one child, possibly two, there was more than two million. So we've got to think of men and women and children, young people dying of the bite of the serpent. Now, now think with me from a spiritual perspective. You see, the reality is we have all been bitten by the serpent of old. Remember, it was the serpent who deceived Eve. It was the one whom Adam listened to and disobeyed God. And that poisonous bite infected an entire human race. We'll talk about the poisonous bite of sin. And I believe tonight in a real literal Adam and Eve, it's not a fairy story. These individuals are not a figment of our imagination. God says in Genesis 2, 17 to Adam, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Surely die means in dying, thou shalt die. And we link it up with what we read in Romans chapter 5 and 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Not just physical death, 
You've got to think of spiritual death. You've got to think of eternal death. Because when we think of the penalty of death, it's threefold, physical, spiritual, and eternal. Remember what Isaiah the prophet preached, and he was the evangelical prophet of the Old Testament. And in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7, we read, The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And over there in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus reveals the um, true state and condition of the human heart. He revealed to us there the sins that are found in the human heart. He says, for from within, Mark 7, 21, out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And you know, sometimes when I'm in a public space, I'm tempted to people watch. And I, I think of this world that's fallen in sin and in a state of misery. I think of the uh, toll that sin has taken on the human race. I, I see individuals with physical infirmities, some who are drug addicts, some who are alcoholics, some who are given over to other substance abuse. People's bodies are broken. People's bodies are deteriorating. And yet they're made in the image of God. And you see them there and you discover and you remember the way of the transgressor is hard. I, I see people in their sensuality and in their immoral behavior. We, we see and hear the anger uh, of maybe parents yelling at children. Children being disobedient to their parents. Couples arguing even in public spaces. We hear of theft, murder. We hear of abortion fornication, gambling, um, homosexuality, um, adultery and, and immorality, anti-God spirit, anti-God rhetoric. And it's all proof. It's all proof of what? That we've been bitten by the evil serpent with the poisonous bite of sin. We've all been affected by sin and hence we're all under a sentence of death. The necessity of the divine remedy. Now what is that remedy? Notice, secondly, the nature of the divine remedy. Now look with me again at Numbers chapter 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that when every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, I want you to focus with me on the Word of God. Why a brazen serpent on a pole? Why did God tell Moses to make a fiery serpent? Why do we read, and Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole? Because chiefly, now listen to me carefully, that brazen serpent on a pole 
displayed and portrayed the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That is what John chapter 3 verses 14 and 15 is all about. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Lord told Moses to make, not take, but to make a fiery serpent of brass, put it upon a pole. And that fiery serpent of brass was to portray a type of the Lord Jesus, because only the Lord Jesus is the real, true Savior of sinners. And we cannot, we must not interpret this type in any other way. John 3, verses 14 and 15, teaches us that what Moses did, what God told him to do in this unusual remedy, was a prefiguration of the cross work of Christ. I want you to think of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Do you know that five times John makes reference to the nature of his death? Think of a brazen serpent lifted up and set on a pole. Think of Jesus Christ being lifted up. It's significant because the emphasis is on the nature of his death by crucifixion. The Son of Man must be lifted up, John 3 and 14. John 8, 28, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, John 12 and 32, and if I be lifted up. John 8 and 34 speaks again about the lifting up of Christ. The Son of Man must be lifted up. John 17 and 1 speaks again in his high priestly prayer about being lifted up. It's significant. Five times, five in the Bible is the number of grace. And every time it mentions being lifted up in these references, it's an emphasis on the death of that he should die. And he didn't die accidentally. He, he, he didn't die by stoning. No, his death was by being lifted up. It was by crucifixion. It was by being lifted up and kneeled to the tree and his blood shed. And as a consequence, he bled and died on behalf of sinners. It's significant. Make thee a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. It signifies, folks, that Christ would be lifted up, set on a tree, that he would be crucified, that he would suffer this particular form of death. And I'll tell you, crucifixion is a terrible form of death. It's a public execution. It was reserved for the worst of criminals. It was a, a, a death of shame and, and deep ignominy and also deep agony. And the emphasis here, as we focus on the word of God, is on the necessity of Christ's death. The serpent must be lifted up and set on a pole. The Savior must be lifted up and set forth on a tree if anyone's going to be healed. I have focused on the words, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And reminded myself it was necessary for Christ to die. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And how was his blood to be shed? Lifted up in the horrible death of crucifixion. And that's a unique feature of the blood atonement. The absolute necessity of Christ's death by crucifixion. And, and that's what we focus on in the word of God. But there's something else here as we think of this nature of the divine remedy. It focused on the wisdom of God. You see, this was God's plan. 
It says, and the Lord said unto Moses. It was revealed from the Lord to Moses. It was a a plan that human wisdom could never have contrived of. This is a plan that's contrary to human reasoning, human wisdom. It's contrary to the wisdom of the world. It's not related to religiosity. It's it's not related to self-righteousness. It's not related to money. It's not related to the church or the pastor or the priest. At the heart of this instruction, for the cure of bitten souls, they were to look to a, a serpent of brass upon a pole. And if they did, there was instant life and instant healing to all who obeyed. And remember, God's way is contrary to the wisdom of this world. It says in the scriptures here, and we've read them together, and I emphasize them, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believe, believeth means to um, put your faith and trust and lean your whole weight upon Christ for salvation. It's not only based on the word of God and the wisdom of God, but it's also based on the justice of God. Now, I want you to think tonight, the Lord revealed in the scriptures, the God of the Bible is a holy God, and he can and does justly impose the death sentence on the sinner. It's a just sentence, and it's rooted in God's holy justice. You think of the children of Israel, they were suffering an exact punishment for sin. They had sinned against the Lord. Sin remembers a transgression of the law. And yet in his wisdom and in his mercy, he provided a wonderful remedy. And yet that remedy he provided upheld his righteousness. It satisfied his holy justice. It fully fulfilled his broken law. And only on this basis... Can sin be pardoned and put away? Here's a doctrine, the justice of God that needs to be preached and emphasized today, rediscovered today. It's a doctrine that's lost. Sin's treated so lightly as if it, it, it doesn't matter and it's not much thought of today. It's okay. God in heaven winks at sin when he doesn't. Here's an absolute necessity of the death of Christ by crucifixion. Shedding his blood to do what? To satisfy divine justice. To fulfill the demands of the holy law of God. Think of this. Jesus had to die. Had to shed his blood. Because there was no other way to procure salvation and satisfy that holy justice. Acts 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. It not only is based in the word of God and based in the wisdom of God and based in the justice of God, but it's also based in the wrath of God. Because the fiery serpent here is a reminder and an emblem of the curse. Remember the Bible talks about that old serpent, the devil. And through Satan and his deception, man sinned. And when man sinned, he came under a curse, the curse of sin. Isn't that what Paul teaches there? Turn over there to the book of Galatians. Look with me at Galatians chapter 3. And we'll read from verse 11. But that 
No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Now remember the serpent of brass was put on a pole or a tree. Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. The serpent was an emblem of the curse. And here's the result, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now that's very important. That, that's a tremendous scripture. The Lord Jesus in his death became a curse for us. He bore the curse of the broken law. He bore the curse of sin. And the serpent is an emblem of deception. And by that old serpent, as I've said, man sinned. Sin came into the world, death by sin. And men come under the curse of death. Not only the curse of sin, but the curse of death. Glory to God, there's no flaw in the type. A serpent of brass, Moses made. Brass speaks of judgment. Judgment and coming under the curse. And the Lord Jesus suffered the judgment of a holy God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken thee? And he bore that justice of God, bore that wrath of God unflinchingly, willingly, voluntarily. Brass in the Bible is a, a very hard metal. And, and it can bear the scorching of the flame. Remember the, the brazen altar. What was it made of? It was made of brass. Because that was the place where the fire was the hottest. It's based in the wrath of God. Very quickly, it's based in the goodness of God. Notice what it says. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. Make, not take. And Moses made a serpent of brass. Serpent of brass. Not an actual animal. Not one of the fiery serpents slithering about the camp. It was a likeness of the fiery serpent when he made a serpent of brass. Did our Lord Jesus Christ not take on the likeness of human flesh? We read over there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, speaking of our Lord Jesus. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The Lord Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. To deal with sin. Not only was this a serpent of brass, was a serpent of brass without poison because it's a serpent of brass. There was no poison in this serpent. The brass serpent, serpent had no poison in him. The Lord Jesus had no poison of sin. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him is no sin. The Lord Jesus was not under the curse because he had no poison of sin in him. And yet willingly, unflinchingly, voluntarily, he bore that curse for us. And the law that demanded eternal punishment or eternal perfection. The Lord Jesus, by his sinless life and his atoning death, earned everlasting righteousness by everlastingly and perfectly keeping the law of God. And he who had no sin offered himself a once and for all perfect sacrifice for sin, putting himself under the curse of the law, the curse of sin, the curse of death. And he bore that curse for us. 
Why? Out of love. Out of grace. Out of mercy. Do you know we tonight are not saved by keeping the law? We're not saved by good works or religiosity or righteous deeds. We recognize that our Lord Jesus Christ kept the law of God perfectly for us. Because there was only one way to be saved, one way to be delivered. It was by one who had no poison of sin in himself. One who was not under a personal curse. And as I've said, it was not only a serpent of brass, a serpent of brass without the poison of sin, but it was a serpent of brass that was lifted up and put on a pole. Isn't that amazing development? Isn't that a wonderful detail? Does not bring us to Calvary, the middle tree? And you think of the, the wrath of a sin-hating God. And it's fully extinguished in Christ. What a wonderful Savior. Standing the scorching heat of God's wrath and God's curse against sin. That's the nature of the divine remedy. Very quickly, the noteworthiness of this divine remedy what were the people told to do? Look again at our text. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. Look and live. Here's the, the miracle of healing associated with what is announced. All that are bitten with the poison of sin, all they had to do was look. So this remedy was proclaimed, look and live. And this remedy was portrayed. Christ is plainly and clearly set forth. Put it on a pole. Two million people in the camp could be seen from the center, right out to the edges of the camp. You see, the Bible said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And we cannot and dare not never lose sight of Christ. You think of an individual who's bitten by the serpent. The poison of sin is at work in his life. He's told, look, not to crawl, not to pay some cash, not to, to crave some ceremony, but simply and sublimely look and live. There can be a reversal of the curse. The penalty of sin has been paid. The power of sin can be broken. The, 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 the passion for sin can be removed. You think of one who's bitten in body. Pain is wrecking that body. Fiery serpent has done its deadly deed. He's there in distress. What do I do? And he hears this announcement proclaimed in his hearing. Look and live. And looking, remember, symbolic of faith. It's whosoever believeth in him. It's, it's, it's um, tied into Isaiah 45 and 22. Um, Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. It's a genuine gazing and looking and resting upon Christ. It's a looking to Christ. And it's not the look that saves but it's the one to whom we're looking. It's Christ himself. That's the noteworthiness of the divine remedy. And one final thing, the news of the divine remedy. I wonder how many times you've heard the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And what is that good news? Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. And yet to those that heard this announcement... And those that seen it portrayed in the camp, we read many died. Because the remedy was never applied to them. I want you tonight to look to Christ. I want you to remember 
that you've got to apply the remedy. You've got to look personally for yourself. And the promise is, if you look, you will live. Remember what we read in the book of Isaiah? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes are we healed. Isn't that tremendous? All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid in him the iniquity of us all. Can you go in at the first all and say, Lord, I, I'm a guilty, hell-deserving sinner. But I'm looking to Christ. I'm going to rest in him. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to believe in him to the saving of my soul. You come out at the other all. The Lord hath laid in him the iniquity of us all. It can be reversed. The poisonous bite of sin. The penalty's been paid. The power can be broken in my life. And, and the pleasure of sin can be taken away. And one day, the very presence of sin, I'll never be there. I'll never be in hell. Because I'm bound for heaven and bound for home. There's the news of the divine remedy. Look and live. It's as simple as that. It's sublime as that. I wonder tonight, have you applied that personally in your life? Maybe you've heard the gospel for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and more. But where are you tonight? Can you honestly say, I'm looking to Christ and I've got spiritual life in him. I believed in him. I've got a genuine resting in him to the saving of my soul. Oh, tonight, as you think about the divine remedy from sin unto salvation, think of how necessary it is. You've suffered the poisonous bite of sin. Think of its nature. It's based in the word of God. It reveals the wisdom of God, the wrath of God, the justice of God, the, the, the goodness and mercy of God. Think of how noteworthy it is. A remedy announced and portrayed. Look and live. And the news of it coming to you, you're the only one that can look and live. Nobody can look for you. You've got to look yourself. Look away to Christ.